Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you realize that in reading the Bible you must bear in mind one major fact. It's simply this. Jesus was a Jew who must be understood against his own first-century Palestinian and Jewish background. It's a serious mistake to think that you can read the Bible without some knowledge of the background of the ideas out of which Jesus worked. You see, all the writers of the Bible were Jewish people, with the probable exception of Luke, who in fact wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. But all the other books of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament that is, and the New Testament, were written by Jews who had a particular and very specific outlook on life and the understanding of God's great plan. Every writer of the Bible looked forward to the time when the kingdom of God would be established on a renewed earth. No writer of the Bible expected to go as a disembodied soul to heaven at death. No Bible writer believed that heaven and hell were already in existence, that you could go to heaven at the moment you died as a disembodied soul, or that you would go as a disembodied soul to a tormenting hellfire under the ground. That notion that you will be judged the moment you die, either to be taken as a disembodied soul to heaven, or to be cast into a subterranean tormenting hell under the ground, those ideas do not belong within the pages of Scripture. They are part of a church tradition which arose after the Bible was completed. Many Christians are unable to distinguish what comes from church tradition and what actually comes from the words and the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. Now, the teaching of Jesus is thoroughly based on and rooted in the Hebrew Bible, that 77% of our Bible which is often neglected. It's a serious mistake to think that one can read the New Testament with intelligence and understanding the words of Jesus if we have not first taken time to learn the fundamental and basic ideas of the 77% of our Bible, which is the Old Testament. You see, Jesus was rooted and grounded in the text of the Old Testament Scriptures. Let me give you an example of how easy it is to be misled by tradition rather than being instructed by the pure Word of God itself. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, we have an amazing and wonderful prediction of the future resurrection of the dead. Now, the resurrection of the dead means the coming to life of dead people, their restoration, body and soul together, the whole man being restored to life and vitality and energy. The only way out of death is via resurrection, and the resurrection will occur when Jesus returns to establish the kingdom on the earth. In Daniel 12, 2, we read this, Many of those who are sleeping in the dust of the ground will arise, some to the life of the age to come. Did you notice what the dead are doing before they rise in resurrection? They are sleeping in the dust of the ground. I want you to note most carefully, it doesn't say many bodies of the dead will reunite with their souls. It says that many people are sleeping in the dust of the ground. 
Now that tells you what the dead are doing. They're said to be sleeping, that's to say in a state of unconsciousness, and where are they doing it? In the dust of the ground. In other words, according to the Bible, the dead, when they die, simply disappear to the unseen region of the grave, and they remain there in that condition of what the Bible calls sleep until they are woken up at the future resurrection. Many of those, Daniel reported, who are sleeping in the dust of the ground will arise or will awake from the sleep of death, that is, and rise in the resurrection. Daniel 12, verse 2. Now, I wonder if you know that Jesus said exactly the same thing. In John 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in their tombs will hear the Son of Man's voice, and they will come forth from the tomb, that is, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who did the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now, you see that Jesus echoed that verse in Daniel 12, too. We were just reading, people are in their tombs until they hear the voice of the Son of Man. And they hear it when they're in their tombs. They awake from the sleep of death, and they come forth in resurrection. Now, I have to tell you that resurrection does not occur the second and the moment that you die. It occurs only in the future when Jesus comes back to raise the dead and to grant them immortality, if they're the faithful dead, to grant them immortality in the kingdom. Now, it will not be difficult to see that if, in fact, the dead go immediately to heaven the very second they die as a disembodied soul, or if they go to hell under the ground as a disembodied soul, then what purpose is there in a future resurrection and judgment? If, in fact, you have made it to the supreme goal, the presence of God, the glory of God in heaven the moment you die, what need is there for a resurrection? It was exactly this point that was made so forcibly by the great reformer William Tyndale in an argument with the Roman Catholic Church. William Tyndale, who lived from 1490 to 1536, was perhaps the greatest of the English reformers, an eminent linguist and the first translator of the New Testament from Greek into English. He was recognized as one of the finest classical scholars of his day. He was trained at Oxford and Cambridge, and he there became a master in Greek and Hebrew and Latin, as well as being skilled in Spanish, French, and English. It was his ambition, as he put it, to cause a boy that drives the plough to know more of the Scripture than the monks and the priests who swarmed the land. Now, here's what that great William Tyndale had to say about the state of death. He argued against the traditional idea that souls go to heaven or hell, and he said this, By putting departed souls in heaven or hell or purgatory, you're destroying the arguments by which Christ and Paul proved the resurrection. End of quotation. William Tyndale went on to say that it was heathen philosophers who said that souls could not die. And he argued that the church had joined the spiritual doctrine of Christ with the carnal doctrine of philosophers, things so contrary that they cannot agree. And then William Tyndale added this, If souls go to heaven when they die, tell me, would they not be in as good condition as the angels? And in that case, what point is there in the resurrection? William Tyndale could see that if, in fact, we survive death, 
and we really don't die but go immediately to heaven or hell, then what need is there for a future resurrection of the dead? The departure of the soul to heaven or to hell cancels the need for the resurrection. The resurrection in the future is simply an unnecessary extra. But in the Bible, everything focuses on the resurrection. The only way out of death is by resurrection in the future. Until the resurrection, Christians and non-Christians alike remain soundly asleep in the sleep of death, waiting to be raised from the dead, waiting to be called out of their tombs. I wonder if you knew that this doctrine of the sleep of the dead was actually the view of Martin Luther, the great reformer. According to one of his critics, Luther believed that all souls die and sleep until judgment day. It's a remarkable fact that churches claiming to be followers of Luther have actually abandoned some of his efforts to restore original biblical truth. The popular idea that souls go to heaven or to hell at the moment of death is so comforting and so pleasurable to churchgoers that they prefer that view, although it's not biblical, to the view of Jesus himself. But this raises a serious question. Are we following Jesus and the Bible, or are we following the church traditions that we have accepted uncritically without careful examination as to whether they're really based on Scripture? Many have protested that the idea that souls go to heaven or to hell at the moment of death is a Greek philosophical idea which got muddled up with the biblical teaching and which finally smothered the biblical teaching and became an entrenched tradition that nearly everybody today seems to believe. A leading biblical scholar from Princeton in 1957 pointed out that the hope in the Bible for both the living and the dead was for a future resurrection into a newly renovated heaven and earth. He said that the whole man, the whole personality, would be involved in God's ultimate plan for the complete society of love on a renovated earth. Then the scholar said that as the church advanced into the noxious fog of Greek thinking, the church lost sight of the great goal of a future recreated earth as laid out in the pages of Scripture. So pervasive was this Greek atmosphere this Princeton scholar went on to say that it enveloped and all but smothered the Christian faith. The history of those times following the end of the Apostles' career and the writing of the Bible is a history of the partial destruction of Christian hope. This scholar went on to point out that it was the Greeks who believed that souls and spirits might ascend from the material world to a timeless kingdom in heaven, but the Hebrews who wrote the Bible did not believe any such thing. If you teach that souls have already gone to heaven or to hell, then the second coming is an anticlimax. If the soul is already blissfully in heaven, said this scholar, or is justifiably roasting in hell, what need is there for anything further? What point could there possibly be, he said, to Christ's return or the renovation of the universe? This inner contradiction, our same scholar said, has remained to plague Christians throughout the centuries. And it's precisely that contradiction that we're complaining about in this series of programs dedicated to the kingdom of God. Once we see that the dead are not living, but are waiting, sleeping in the grave until the resurrection, our eyes will be focused where the New Testament focuses them, 
They'll be focused on the great event of the future, the return of Christ to raise the faithful dead and to give them a share in his great kingdom on the earth. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, they're going to have the earth as their possession and inheritance. Matthew 5, verse 5. Indeed, they're going to rule upon the earth. Revelation 5, verse 10. Let me quote a little further from this Baptist scholar who protested the popular idea that souls go to heaven or to hell. He referred to another reformer, John Calvin, and said that Calvin was unable to free his mind from the Greek individualism which taught that an immortal soul slipped off at death into heaven. This, he said, tragically weakened the Christian hope for the future because it's clearly in contradiction to the biblical view. The scholar finished by saying that our mistake in teaching that disembodied souls go to heaven the moment they die was a theological mistake, a serious theological error, and the correction that we need to make must begin with our theology. End of quotation. It may be of great interest to you to know that when souls are said to be in heaven or hell now, the clear message of the Bible about resurrection is stifled and eclipsed. It's essential, if we want to read the Bible intelligently, to read it within the framework of the Jewish mind out of which Jesus worked. According to that Hebrew mindset, the dead do not know anything at all. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5. We invite you to request from us our free book on what happens when we die. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.